Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to continue on. We're going verse by verse through the book of 2 Corinthians. A book about Paul's ministry, very autobiographical book, very revealing book about what it means to be a servant of the Lord. We're going to study verses 1 to 10, but I'm going to go back and read uh, starting at chapter 5, verse 18, because they kind of flow together. Um, It's been said that the Bible is inspired, but the chapter divisions aren't. And so sometimes um, there there seems to be a a little bit of an awkward break in between between the chapters, but we don't want to miss the flow of the passage. When this letter was written, there were no chapter divisions. It was just an ongoing letter. And so uh, the chapter divisions are there. They're helpful for us, but sometimes they kind of give us a little bit of a hiccup. And so I want to go back to chapter 5, verse 18 going to cover some of the things that have been covered. We're just going to read through some of the things that we've read the last few weeks, and then we're going to move into chapter 6. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed, but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience and tribulations and needs and distresses, in stripes and imprisonments and tumults and labors and sleeplessness and fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. I've entitled this message, The Cost of Being an Ambassador, and it, it really connects to the, to the end of chapter 5 <clears throat> very naturally. I hope that you can kind of sense that connection there. Paul here has just been telling us in in chapter 5, verses 18 to 21, that he is an ambassador for Christ. And he talks about two ways that people are reconciled to God. If you look at verse 18 of chapter 5, he says, All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. That speaks of salvation. That speaks of what Pastor Rob was referring to, that Jesus came to die for our sins. And then when we realize, when we have that divine insight to know that we're guilty before God, and we ask him to forgive us, we become born again. God doesn't sweep our, our sins under the rug. He, he does away with them. They're not, they're, not, they're not hidden, they're just removed. And so that reconciliation, we're going to study the word here. Well, let's look at your notes here. Re- reconcile, the word means to make friendly again, to return to favor, to join two people that were at en- enmity with each other. And so as Paul speaks about being an ambassador for Christ, one of the ways is that he would share the gospel with unbelievers and seek to have them join to God. But a second way that we're seeing here in chapter 6 is that he's 
being an ambassador for Christ to Christians. Not because the Christians don't know Jesus, but because these Christians, these Corinthian Christians, who we know were very carnal Christians, they had drifted away from a close relationship to the Lord. So that ambassadorship has two aspects to it. Sharing the gospel with somebody that's never said yes to Christ, but then also being an ambassador to Christians who have drifted away and are walking far away from the Lord. And in chapter 6, that's what we're looking at. He's being an ambassador to Christians. Reconcile. Look at your notes once again. To make friendly, to return to favor with, to, and to make an adjustment of a difference. The Corinthians somehow... Well, not just somehow, actually in many ways. If you've read First and Second Corinthians, you know these, he, he flat out calls them carnal Christians and baby Christians. They were like immature grown-ups, spiritually speaking. They followed personalities. They allowed for sexual immorality to be in the church. They kind of dismissed the Apostle Paul. He was their spiritual father, but they were impressed with big names and big personalities that would come into their church and kind of... Uh, kind of carry a real uh, ostentatious uh, presence, and they they were really they were really impressed by people. And and in, and in all of those carnal ways and all that carnal thinking, they had drifted from their closeness with God. It's not that they weren't Christians; it's that they weren't living as Christians in some areas of their life. Now we're not going to take a poll here. <laughs> But we could all probably make some improvements in our lives. We could all, uh, let, me, let me rephrase that, uh, erase that from your memory bank. If you're my age, enjoy a senior moment. It's not that we have to make ourselves better. There's some areas in our life that we still need to surrender more seriously to the Lord. That's a better way to say it. And so he's talking to them about that. And look at, look at verse 1 of chapter 6. We then as workers together with him also plead with you to not receive the grace of God in vain. Look at your notes. I have a lot of definitions for us today, but language is made up of words and words mean things. So it's good that we understand the words. Grace means goodwill. So if I have grace towards you, I have goodwill towards you. Loving kindness, favor, unmerited favor, undeserved gift. So if I just give you something out of the blue, that was a gracious thing to do. If I help you and you really don't deserve it, that was a gracious thing to do. If I'm kind to you and you're not kind to me, it's a gracious thing that I did. If I place myself in your life as a, as a real valued friend, that's, that's a, a gracious presence in your life, or vice versa. I want you to look at the next one. Look at the next uh, definition. The merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ keeps, strengthens, increases them in the Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of the Christian virtues. How is it that you and I wake up in the morning and want to be holy? (laughs) News break, that's not from you. (laughs) Flash, headlines, that's from the Lord. When you hate sin and love holiness, when you are sorry about the things you've done, not because you got caught, but because you have a sense of how wrong it is, that it's grievous to the heart of God and damaging to people, damaging to yourself. That's the divine influence of the Holy Spirit in your life, and that's part of the grace of God. For a spouse to want to love their negligent spouse or their unloving spouse, for a parent to have extreme love and and, uh, patience with a rebellious child, whatever the case may be, 
For you to love somebody that can give you nothing back, that's a divine uh, expression of the influence of God, of the Holy Spirit of God, and that's His grace, that's His divine favor towards you to make you want holiness. That's included in the idea of the grace of God. God's grace, His favor, goodwill, it's intended to accomplish many things in your life. His presence here in your life is intended to accomplish many things. Look at these notes here. Grace for salvation. If you're a Christian, you've already received that. Grace for godly living. That's where I pick it up. When I was 16 years old, I received, I had the, the grace of God visited me, the divine favor, the friendship of God showed up in my heart, and I said, Lord, if you're there, you know, I'm ready for you, and he came into my life, I became a Christian. And I, so I, don't, I no longer need grace for salvation, but now I need his grace for daily living for holiness, to not be angry with people, for self-control, to not eat too much, to be disciplined, to work harder, to love people I don't like. All of those things, I need his grace for daily living. Look at the list. Grace for a blessed life. Grace for power over sin. Grace to have hope for the future. You ever get discouraged? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Of course we do. We wonder what's going to happen. What's going to happen when my kids grow up? I have little kids. What's going to happen when they're teenagers? And they're teenagers, are they going to live to be 20? And then then they're looking for a spouse and they marry somebody. What's going to happen? Are they going to have kids? And what are my grandkids? Am I going to be able to see my grandkids? And now I'm heading towards retirement. And we're always kind of looking forward in so many ways. I need God's grace for that. I need God's grace to rest in his promises and and to, to trust in him and to know that if I'm truly seeking his face, he's going to meet my needs. So we need grace from salvation and then we need, we need God's grace to keep the faith as we take our dying breath. We need his grace all the days of our lives. Look at ver, uh, number four here on, on page one. What God's grace is designed to accomplish in us. Philippians 1 says, you are all partakers with me of grace. So every Christian has, has experienced the grace of God and there's more grace to experience. 2 Timothy 2.1, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul tells Timothy, look, you're a young pastor and you're there at Ephesus and it's a hard church. That's a tough place to be a pastor, Timothy. But God's grace is there for you, but you know what? You need to lean on it. You need to not frame it and put it up on the wall or treat it like a museum piece. You need to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. I remember the first time I saw that verse, I thought, that just doesn't make sense. I didn't get it. I really had to think about it a bit. I've had a couple of knee replacements. I'm kind of, I hope I'm not telling you too much about my life today. But I had Walker. Walker was my buddy for a while. I should have named the Walker Walker. Here, Walker. (laughs) But when I was walking with Walker, I had to lean on it or else it wouldn't help me. I could go like this. Oh, my knee hurts, my knee hurts. Well, lean on Walker. Oh, that's what he's there for. Lean on him. He'll hold you up. Okay. It's that same idea. You're struggling with life. Be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, not in your own strength. Your own strength is limited at best. Be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Remember his promises. 2 Timothy 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in it. Learn how helpful the grace of God is to help you with daily living. Hebrews 12, 14, and 15. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Is it possible to have all God's abundant grace, amazing grace available to you, but you neglect it? Yeah, it's possible. 
Lord, I want to keep my marriage together. God's grace is there to help you love that spouse that's rejected you and not treated you well. The grace of God is there, but you're just choosing to stay mad and so you don't, you don't find a way to love that person. You don't find a way to forgive that neighbor. The grace of God is there to help you forgive that neighbor, but you're toddling like this instead of leaning on his grace. You've neglected his grace. His, the grace of God is there. The divine favor and friendship and presence of God is there to help you navigate through life. But you have to put your hands on it, spiritually speaking. You have to say, Lord, this is for me. I'm not going to leave my house today until I feel if I see my neighbor that I won't be angry at him and I'll be ready to forgive him. Whatever the case may be, you guys make the application. How do we receive and walk in God's grace? First Peter chapter 5. Be clothed in humility. There's lots of ways to do it, but one of the ways is this, and we're going to focus on this. Be clothed in humility. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the who? Humble. Lord, I need your grace. Then don't be proud. Well, I'm not that bad. I am pretty good. I mean, you, you're lucky to have me in your kingdom, Lord. You know? I, you're never going to take hold of my grace because you're self-reliant. Pride is the opposite of humility, and humility is the place where you find grace. So when you're struggling with that thing or that person or that boss or that car or whatever the case may be, you say, Lord, I can't do this, but I really want you to do it in me and through me. And that's when you can lay hold of the grace of God. But if you're going to stand and maintain your stance and you're going to be obstinate and kind of proud and stubborn and all those kinds of things, then you're on your own. Even as a Christian, God will let you go off on your own. We've seen lots of people do that, haven't we, sadly? It's always a train wreck. Always is a train wreck. But the good news is the grace of God is always there, even after the train wreck. The grace of God comes and looks for survivors. The paramedics show up. Oh, the rescue team shows up. God says, okay, let's, let's, let's start over again. Let's, my mercy's here. It's new this morning. Let's just start over again. You always get a fresh start with the Lord every single day. Not for salvation, but just for daily living. But you can miss all of that through pride. Or you can miss all of that through independence. Or you can miss all of that because you love sin. And, and, you're, and, and the Spirit of God is saying, hey, 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 come on. You know you love when you walk in holiness. I know, but I just walk in holiness on Sunday. Thank you, Connie. <laughs> the grace of God is there every day for everything and even prompting you to want the things of heaven. But it doesn't happen, look at verse 1, if you receive the grace of God in vain. The, that phrase there, in vain, it means to no purpose. As it, you receive the grace of God, it's like you write me a check for $10,000 and I need to fix my car, but the check is there and I just put it under glass on my desk and I just, it's just there. And there's a check for $10,000. If I even take it to the bank, I can cash it and actually have cash. It's right there. But my car broke down and I'm just fretting and I don't know what I'm going to do and the resources are right there. Well, I know, but I should probably be able to do this Go take the check and go to the bank and cash the check and use the funds to fix the car. That's the idea. But we can receive the grace of God in vain and just kind of fold our spiritual arms and stay angry and not forgive. And, you know, it takes humility to forgive somebody, doesn't it? It takes humility to forgive somebody that still doesn't think they're wrong. <laughs> I have a wicked mind. I see them crawling across broken glass. 
first 10 yards, the second 10 yards, there's tacks and other sharp things and insects and fleas and all these. I want to see them suffer, then I'll forgive them. Now I'm really telling you guys too much, aren't I? You're laughing because you're like me. So I don't know if you know that, but when you laugh, it's because you're like me to some degree. The grace of God is there to help you forgive people, to live a holy life, to say no to ungodliness, to say yes to holiness. It's all there. But we, and we can have all that resource right there and still receive it in vain. That's what Paul is saying. That's why he's an ambassador to Christians so that they will be reconciled to return to favor in a right relationship with God. There's a lot of Christians that are not in a right relationship with God. And you need an ambassador to get you there sometimes, to remind you. Repent of that stuff. God can help you. Believe it. Quit going on your emotions. Quit going on your feelings. Yes, they're wrong. Forgive them anyway. Well, I don't want to. Well, Christ forgave you. How could you not forgive them? Jesus died on a cross to forgive you. How could you not forgive them? Well, I don't know. I don't want to. Then stay angry. Have a grumpy life. See you later. You know? I mean, sometimes we just have to let people go. Have a grumpy life. You don't have to have a grumpy life, but it's your choice. Or fill in the blank. Fill in the adjective blank. Look at verse 2. Amazing verse. Receive God's grace now. God had given them grace for salvation, but they were, he, he, had give, he had given them salvation when they were deep in sin. God's grace was available not when they kind of cleaned themselves up. This is talking about salvation grace now. Look at, look at Paul's description of the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. I love that line. You guys think, you know, some, sometimes people say, you Christians think you're so great. It's like, ah, uh, actually we don't. Not if we're thinking clearly. That's what we were. That group, that's what we... You're, you're, you're in there somewhere. If not, we'll write something in. You're there somewhere. When Jesus extended his grace to you for salvation, it was an acceptable time. It was an acceptable time. He says, I know you're a mess. That's why I came. Look at verse uh, 10, 11. Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so he says in chapter 6 here, look at the, the, your Bible... He says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And again, you might be at church this morning and saying, yeah, well, just my marriage, my kids, my boss, my life, my bad sinful habits, my fill in the blank. I, I don't know, you know when I should ask God to help me. Ask him today. You ask him today. Now, there's a little play on words here that doesn't uh, translate well into the English. But in verse 2, it says, In an acceptable time I have heard you. And then in the rest of that verse, in the Greek, not in the English, Behold, now is a super exceptional time. In an acceptable day I heard you in the past. Well, I know, I was a drunk. But I, it was an acceptable time, I heard you. Receive my grace. Oh, I receive your grace for salvation. Thank you, I'm forgiven, I'm born again, thank you. Three months later, I'm just really a mess again. When can I come back to you? It's a super acceptable time. That's, that's literally what it says in the Greek language. There's a prefix there that says it's a very acceptable time. Today is the day not only for salvation, but today is the day when you say, Lord, I need your grace. 
I keep tripping on X, Y, Z, and I'm tired of it, and I can't change myself, and I hate this thing that I'm doing, and Lord, I, you know, pour out, pour out your amazing grace on me again, Lord. I need your help. And that's the humble part, isn't it? That's the humility. God, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the grace, humble, equal sign, grace, humble, humble, grace. Humble yourself before the Lord and he'll pour out grace on you so that you can be a changed person. Lord, I'm fearful. I don't want to share my faith. Humble yourself. Say, Lord, I know you want me to share my faith. I'm afraid of people. But I humbly come before you. I'm going to give you more grace. I'm going to give you a courage you never knew that you had. In fact, you've never had that courage I'm going to give you. You'll have to do that by faith too. But my grace is there. My grace is more than sufficient for you. But guys, as Christians, now we're going to turn up the pace a little bit on our study, but as Christians, God has written you a check, a spiritual check. It's up to you to cash it. It's up, for you, it's up to you to, to take those, those, that abundance of grace, that, that provision of grace, and say, Lord, I want to apply it to my life. I don't want to be proud anymore. I don't want to live in shame anymore. I don't want to be so embarrassed that I feel like I can't talk to you about what you already know. I want, Lord, there's the grace there, and God, I just I want to cash it in. I want to cash it in. Or not. And the Corinthians somehow... They, they, they didn't lose their salvation, but they had drifted. I use this illustration about me and, me and my wife, Deb. Um, ah, breakfast. <laughs> we live in the, Debbie and I live in the same house. That's good for a marriage. <laughs> If I decided that I wanted to live in Florida and she said, I I hate the humidity, I'm staying in Napa, we would still be married, but it's not much of a relationship. You can be a Christian and live in Florida and God's in Napa, but God is in Napa, isn't he? You know what I'm saying? You You can be a Christian and live far away from the Lord for whatever not good reason. But it's usually because there's some pride there, some independence, or self, so, there's self-something there. And then you say, Lord, I want to change. My grace will bring you back to me. And that's what we're talking about, living close with the Lord. Living close. Let's turn the page here on your notes. Guys, today is a super acceptable day. In your heart, in, in, we're going to close in, in, a, in a few minutes with a, a song, maybe a couple songs. We're going to have another time of prayer. We're going to, there's going to be people here to pray with you. You can ask the Lord anywhere, anytime. But maybe today is the super acceptable moment for you. To say, Lord, you know what? Here I am. A bunch of Christians in the room. You're not asking me go, to go down on Main Street or Lincoln and Jefferson. or you, know, <laughs> you, know, you, just, you just want to meet with me. You just want to meet with me. Now's the super acceptable time to receive the grace of God. Excuse me one minute. Now in verse, in verse 20 of chapter 5, Paul says we are ambassadors. We represent Jesus to people that need him, that need him for salvation or that need him to be close to him again. So here I am, as an, I'm an ambassador of Jesus. You guys are ambassadors of Jesus. So let's say that I... Um, 
wore, wore a, like some kind of shirt that was really, really offensive here, and you're listening to me preach, think about the worst thing that you, you like or don't like. I don't know, decaffeinated coffee. <laughs> Marilyn Manson. The Raiders. <laughs> the Niners. Whatever. Think about what you really don't like. That is, a, you, th- you see it and you're just immediately offended. So let's say that, you know, you know I decide to wear that T-shirt that day. And here I am, standing in all my glory, Marilyn Manson on the front of my chair. And you're just going, I can't receive from that guy. I can't, it's hard to listen to him. I look at him and my eyes drift down to that white face. A few of you will know that reference. Paul says, I don't want to do anything that would make my ministry as an ambassador to be hindered. I, want, I don't want anything to be in the way. And so I live my life very deliberately and very carefully. Because I want unbelievers to be reconciled to God and I want the Christians to be reconciled to God. And if I show up at their church and I start ministering to them and I'm doing things that that are obviously offensive and living in such a way where they can kind of start criticizing me, then they're not going to receive the message of an ambassador and they're going to stay disconnected and distant from God. Make sense? By the way, as we go through this list, we're going to go through it really quickly. You can pick out your own... uh, challenge du jour here, challenge of the day for yourself. But there's a lot of things here that Paul said. I think there's 27 different things or 28 different things that he said, this is what I'm careful about. And you might look at this list and go, I can't, be, I can't change that part of my life. Then go back to, chapter, to uh, verse 1. I can't change that I'm this way I have an Irish temper or an Italian or a Mexican temper. Ethnicity of your, of your choice. I, I get angry. It's just how I am. Well, you need the grace of God. Well, I, I can't help what I am. Really? Jesus can't help you not be an angry person? Well, I, I don't know if I can change. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Well, I don't know if I can dress differently. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. I don't know if I can love people that I don't like. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. I don't know if I can forgive that person. Do you know what they did to me? Don't receive the grace of God in vain. And Paul would say, I want to be so careful with my life. I don't want to stumble anybody with anything that I do. Well, I don't know if I can live that way. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. I don't know if I can be that committed to caring about people that much. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. We Christians get stuck. Have you noticed? We get stuck on a certain level. You might say to yourself, well, you know, sometimes, I'll just be real blunt, we need help in the, in the kids' ministry sometimes. Well, that's not my calling. It doesn't need to be your calling. Get over there and help. There's a sweet little kid over there that's beating up on your grandchild. <laughs> or something. Get over there and Help. We, we, we start divining, de, uh, de, defining the parameters of our own Christian life apart from what Jesus says. And we forget that we are here as, an, as ambassadors and we will look at chapter 5 verse 10 and we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. May I say this lovingly but firmly? You better change. If there's some changing that needs to happen, you better Change. Well, I can't do that. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. You're right, you can't. But Jesus can change you. 
in ways that he wants to and in actually ways that you wish he would. But you have to surrender. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. And then be careful with your life because you're an ambassador. How are you representing Jesus Christ to this world? Do you have a strong conviction? Are there people in your life that need Christ? Going to go down the list now, but are there people in your life that need Jesus? Or are there Christians in your life that have drifted? Of course, the answer is yes to one of those questions, probably both. Let me ask you guys this question, and then you wrestle with your own conscience and heart. How, will it, how far are you willing to go to be an ambassador to them? How, how much are you willing to, to die to yourself in order that you can be effective? How willing are you to pray that God will take away the fear of, of evangelism or just sharing your faith with a friend? How willing are you to want to have a heart of forgiveness to that person that radically sinned against you and even abused you? Are you willing to be an ambassador? How badly do you want it? If you want it badly enough, then then God will give you the grace to do it. And even if you don't want it badly enough, that's what he's called you to do. So start praying that you will want it. Dear Cornerstone, we need a revival. We need a revival in our church. Napa needs a revival. I don't want to play church. I don't want to uh, be, be a pastor that isn't serious about Jesus myself. And I want to see you guys. I want us all to be really, really serious about Jesus. That doesn't mean somber. That means we're really committed to him. We're really willing to do the things that he wants us to do. And Paul said, you know what? I'm, I'm so convinced about this. I'm so convinced that people need the Lord. And I'm so convinced that the Corinthians have drifted and I want to see them back to the Lord. I'm so convinced about this. This is how I'm going to live. I've decided this is how I'm going to live. And he lists these things starting at verse 3. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. I don't want to do anything where people can go, yeah, he's telling me to forgive that person, but look how he dresses. Or look, they, they do this or they do that or they put this on their social media and these photos on their Facebook or their Instagram and I'm not, I can't receive from a person that does that. Guys, be careful with what you put online, your, your photos, all those things. Ask yourself, am I doing this for me or does this make Jesus look questionable to anyone? Live in such a way that you are not a hindrance to the gospel. Can we agree on that? If you can't agree with it about yourself, at least agree with it for the, about the person next to you. Lord, help this person next to me <laughs> to not be offensive and live in such a way that they don't hinder the gospel. And then everybody's still covered. And we'll take, if, if all we can get second best today, we'll take second best. You know, I'm teasing. I don't want to live in such a way where people look at my life and go, he's a pastor? And he does that and he says that and he lives that way. Why would I want to go to his church? I don't want to be that guy. I'm sure that I have been, but I don't want to be that guy. We're just going to go down this list. There's something here for everybody. Get excited. Here we go. We commend ourselves. We show, we prove, we establish. We want to exhibit our lives that there's nothing in the way. We have patience. Lord, I need patience. Cheerful, hopeful endurance. Not passive complaining. Passive complaining is not patience. It's cheerful endurance. Tribulations are the normal difficulties of life. Lord, why, am I go- why did my brakes go out? Because brakes, say it with me, go out. <laughs> brakes go out. Why, Lord, I can't, is it the end of the world? No, it's the end of your brakes. Might be the end of your life unless you fix them. So fix the brakes and we'll carry on. 
Everybody goes through. Devil, Satan worshipers have breaks go out, okay? It's not persecution. It's just breaks. You know what I'm saying? But when the breaks go out, how do you respond to the guy at the break shop? Stupid breaks. Can I leave you a tract? <laughs> I just say, oh, they're breaks. Breaks break. You with me? In needs, Paul says, I will go without creature comforts. I will go without things if it gets in the way. Distresses, it means narrowness when you're in a tight spot. In stripes, Paul says, I've been beaten with rods five times. When they would beat a man with rods, it was a stick at least an inch in diameter. They would, they would sentence you to 40 hits with the stick, but to show mercy, they would do 39. So he had 195 stripes on his back for preaching the gospel. Imprisonments. Clement of Rome says Paul was imprisoned seven times. Bible only says three, but historians tell us as many as seven. In tumults, violence from an angry mob. If you watch that horrible thing that happened in London last night, those terrorist attacks, that followed him around. But he said, you know what? I don't want to be dissuaded. People need to be reconciled to God. In labors, working to the point of exhaustion. In sleeplessness, going without sleep. I've gone on some missions trips where we haven't been able to sleep and I I start to get grumpy and then I have to remember, wait a minute, what am I here for? Right? In fastings, this isn't spiritual fasting to seek the Lord, but this is like I'm serving God and and we don't have food and I'm going to keep serving. Purity, holiness. Lord, I want to live holy so my life can't be blamed. By knowledge, spiritual knowledge, studying studying the scripture, thinking on God. How do you have a life that's not blamed? Think on the Lord. And then you'll be living probably better. Long-suffering, patient submission to injustice, patience with people, kindness, doing nice things, gifting people, comforting them, assuring them, living by the Holy Spirit, yield to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, sincere love, no double motives. Sincere love means I'm not loving you so I get something back. That's, that's a challenge for many of us. I want to live by the word of truth, not the wisdom of man, but the word of God. I want to live by the power of God, miracles, speaking, godly living, forgiveness. I want to live by the armor of righteousness, truth, holiness, prayer, faith. We, we live even though, we live by honor and dishonor, mixed opinions about Paul's life. This happens to you, this happens to me. Sometimes we can say, forget it, I'm tired of getting blamed for things I didn't do. If that's a Christian life, forget it. I'm sure there's a few of us in the room that you don't forget it. You get over it. Well, I can't. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Yes, you can get over it. The Apostle Paul was as flesh and blood as we are, guys. He was a man of great faith. We can be people of great faith too, amen? We can be. You believe that or not? Yes or no? Okay, about eight people over here and (laughs) we can be people of great faith if we want to. How much of Jesus can you have? All that you want. Just desire him. Go for it. By evil report and good report, people had mixed opinions. They blamed Paul for things he didn't do. He kept pushing forward. As deceivers and yet true, well-known yet unknown, dying, behold, we live, chastened and not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. You guys can work through the list. You have the notes. Question, Christian, you receive the grace of God for salvation. Fantastic.
In what other areas of your life, dear, dear brothers and sisters, in what other areas of your life does God want to pour out his grace? Can I just say some hard things to you? I mean them delicately and I I pray that you guys and I believe that you guys know that I love you. But when we say things like, I'll never change, that's carnal. Or if you say things like, well, that's just the way I am, that's a sin. And I will confess to you, there are times in my life when I start to feel a little hopeless about things And I've had this conversation with a couple of people lately where we're kind of saying, well, what are we going to do about that? And and I've been, these are the words that I hear myself say, well, we better believe the scriptures or we might as well quit. You guys with me? Either Jesus is true and the Bible is true or just fling it and go to Bottle Rock. That was probably a mean thing to say. You can go to Bottle Rock like this. You know what I'm saying? You guys know what I'm saying? Either we're going to be Christians or we're not. But let's not live in a no man's land anymore. For some of us. Don't receive God's grace in vain. Don't say my marriage will never get better. My attitude will never get better. I'll never forgive that person. I think those are sinful attitudes. And I I understand them because I have felt a lot of those sinful things and those negative things. I can be prone to that. I'm not scolding you guys. I'm just sharing. I fight through the same things that you do. And I have to keep saying, either this is true or I'm going to throw it away. So am I going to really wake up in the morning again and wake up and go, wow, I feel refreshingly graced today. But I think I'll get in a bad mood instead because that's how I roll. Is that what we're going to do? No, you get up in the morning and go, wow, I had a burden yesterday, but you seem to have lifted it today. I'm going to trust you today. I'm going to trust you. I want to be an ambassador, and if you show me anything that I'm doing in my life that becomes a hindrance to me sharing the gospel message with the unbeliever and with the saved, then Lord, help me repent of it no matter how much I love it. Help me to take off that shirt or put down that material possession or end this friendship or walk away from that thing or drop those dreams and hopes and plans. Help me leave it all, Lord, so that I do nothing that hinders your work in and through me. We sing the song, don't we? I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. No looking back, no looking back. Right? We sing that song, right? Though none go with me, still I will follow. That's it. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No looking back, no looking back. And that's where Paul is at, and that's where God is inviting all of us to keep moving in that direction, guys. And it's not something we, can't, we cannot do it ourselves. We cannot, 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 cannot. But it's the grace of God, the divine friendship of God. God is your friend you're a believer in Christ. He's your friend. He's your father. He's there with you. You have the spirit of the living God dwelling inside of you and you can keep saying yes and you can say, Lord, I love this bad thing but I don't love it and I'm just giving it to you again, Lord. You guys with me? That's the life. That's the life. Are we immature if we get easily offended and are not able to receive from others just because of what they wear or how they speak or what they do? I would say that is the sign of immaturity and, and yes, 
And that's a, that's a little bit of a loaded question in regards to, there's a lot of different scenarios. For a young Christian, young Christians are young Christians. And so, you know, we can't expect young people to act like mature people. That just doesn't work. But for a, for a person that's been in the Lord for a long time, that, that should be decreasing in our lives. In a godly way, if you're not more tolerant than you were five years ago, then you need to pray. That's your prayer today. In a, in a godly way, if you're not more loving and acceptable of people that you don't like than you were five years ago, if you're stuck at where you were five years ago, guess what? You've neglected the grace of God. The check is right there, but you've neglected it. And you wonder why people kind of are standoffish with you because you're not walking in the fullness of the grace of God. A lot of our maturity is a choice. Lord, your word declares that if you wouldn't withhold your son, you wouldn't withhold any other blessing from us. So may we receive that, Father, this morning. Pray for my brothers and sisters and for myself, Lord, that we would not receive your grace in vain, but Lord, we'd actually be incredibly hopeful about the things that you're hopeful for, Lord, so that we would have a cheerful endurance in waiting for you to work out your will in our lives. Strengthen my brothers and sisters, I pray, Lord. Thank you, God. Be glorified in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.